the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 720. This is 720 of the Agostino Zynga show with myself, your host, your illustrious, amazing, well-fed, well-hydrated, well-kept, well-limbered, well-worked-out guest and host and everything in between Agostino Zynga. I hope you are doing well wherever you may be. I hope you are doing swimmingly. Today's a bit of a rare one. I don't usually record the podcast side of things of what I do in terms of the Agostino Zynga show aka Taz live but today I thought you know what I have some time I've got a free day off work so why not record this particular episode of the Agostino Zynga show episode number 720 live and direct for you guys watching and for you guys listening after the fact so it's been a bit of a crazy couple of days for me over the last couple of you know the past weekend i can't really lie um for once i actually did venture outside i've been a bit of a homebody ever since covid really i've kind of been um at home really is kind of by design because of the work i've been doing the last couple of years has allowed me to work from home on my laptop it basically gives me no incentive to go outside anymore so apart from nights out apart from rare occasions where i might go to like an art gallery or something for a private view most of my time is spent indoors again outside of going to the gym and going to you know purchase some food and whatnot and kept myself fed so i'm spending a lot of time indoors too much time indoors actually so it's quite nice when i do venture outside and i say all that to say i did venture outside on the friday to go get a haircut this is something that i usually get around the corner local boss man local uncles i go get a skin fade and whatnot but unfortunately for me and maybe a lot of other guys in the uk i consume too much us content because i consume too much us content my standard or the what i expect from a skin fade what i expect from a haircut from a barber is something that i compare to what i see from the us content i consume so i look at people like odell beckham jr and i see his skin fades and i'm like oh damn I can't get that level of a fade in the UK. So it makes me sad and it makes me depressed. But I put up with the shit that I can get over here. But over time, I started to realize that although the places I go to around my area are amazing, right? The pros of being able to put on some white socks, a shitty pair of shorts and a vest and put on your Crocs and go around the corner and literally five seconds walk and pop into a barbershop with a local Ghanaian uncle, Nigerian uncle, Jamaican uncle and get a little quick fade is great. It's also amazing, right? But unfortunately, Unfortunately, with inflation, most of the local shops and barbers around my area, most of the local ones, they charge just as much as you would get charged if you went to a fancy one. So before I'd pay maybe £20, before that it was 15 and now I think it's like 30 basically, and with a tip it might be 35 or 40 So with that, I was like, you know what? Why don't I start going back to that place I used to go to? And if I don't remember I've mentioned before on the pod, but a few years back, way before the flipping pandemic, I used to go to this particular barbershop in the west of London. So it's about an hour's distance from where I am in the centre of London in a place called Ealing Broadway. Um, 
and it's you know a very fancy uh, barber shop. A lot of celebrities, a lot of kind of footballers from this country go and get their haircuts there. Um, a lot of rappers, a lot of artists, all that malarkey. And I used to go there all the time to get my haircut. But traveling there, an hour there and an hour back just to get a skin fade is a little bit excessive. So over time, I got a little bit you know lazy of going there, and I didn't really see the utility of it. But because the prices have gone up in my local area, I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna be spending thirty pounds on a haircut, I may as well go to West, you know, Ealing Broadway. So the other day I decided to jump on the train, head over to Elon Broadway and get a haircut there. And I have to be honest, I'm happy with the results. I've got a little Mohican type of thing. I've got little, you know, cat scratches on the back. They cut my beard in a good way. Gave me a little, gave me a little handlebar moustache for the little hipster vibes and shit. So I'm feeling nice and feeling good about it. But it made me realise that actually it's quite important in life to spend money on things that you care about. Because I don't have a lot of things I care about, right? Obviously, I care about fashion. I care about shoes. But there are certain things in terms of your self-care that you shouldn't re- you shouldn't skimp on and you shouldn't be lazy about. So if there's something that within your self-care routine, whether it's the place that you go get your hair cut, whether it's a place where you go get your fucking hair, your fucking hair washed, whether it's somewhere you get your stuff styled, whether it's a place where you get a particular type of t-shirt that you like, or this place does a particular brand of underwear that you like, make the effort to go there and get that thing. Because when you do any sort of like, when you do any sort of concessions, when you make any kind of detours and try and figure stuff out another way, it never goes the way you like it. And I really realized for me recently, there were times where I'd go to my local boss man, my local guy around the corner, my local uncle, and he just gets stuff wrong. I don't know about you guys if it's the same, but in Afro barbers, for some reason, especially when you go to African uncles and shit, they always get little things wrong. So you ask them to cut your hair a certain way, they'll cut it another way. Like, but they'll get a tiny bit wrong. So you might say you want a high fade, they'll give you a low fade. You might say you want the the the, the sideburns thin, they'll make them wide. You might say keep the moustache quite thick, they'll make it small and turn it into a Hitler thing. They'll do all these little little things wrong all the time. And then when you leave, for me personally anyway, I can't get that shit out of my head. It stays in my head and it really burns in my soul that I paid this man £30 plus tip and he just couldn't do what I wanted him to do. He had to make some little mistakes and little errors and he just grinds my gears. So for just a peace of mind and for me not to send in this guy any bad vibes and to not be a horrible person, I'd much rather pay the money to get something done properly, right? Properly properly somewhere where i've got peace of mind they're going to do the job well and i'm going to leave there like happy and proud to have the haircut because the worst thing that happens to me sometimes you go to get your little skin fade you head out you hate the results and then you immediately put a hat on and i've done it plenty of times i've, I've not liked the results so i've started wearing a hat or on the train i put my hood up in the same way and i'm gone and i fucking hate it and my hair isn't even that hard to fucking work out because all I need to get cut is the fucking sides. I don't need nothing. It's not even that difficult. So if you can't get the sides right and you can't get my facial hair right, then why should I give you any money? So I'm happy I did that. Happy I made that change. And I do recommend for any of you guys who are in London or in the UK and you're looking for a place to go get your hair cut, I do highly recommend to check out this spot. Um, I've got it up here on the screen. It's called F4 Fade. So F, the letter, the number, four, and then fade. Find them on Instagram. They've got two locations, one in West Ealing, and of course one in Fulham 
the one I go to is usually the Elon Broadway one. They're usually really packed up and booked with fucking bookings. So you have to make sure you call them ahead of time to get a slot in there. But usually the trims are absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, I think the prices I think are the same as most areas in London. I think it's like £25 for a trim. I got mine. I basically gave the guy, I think, 30 or 40 or something like that for the tip as well included. And I basically made a day of it. I took my books with me. I read my Britney, the Britney Spears autobiography on the way there. I listened to a podcast and shit. I went and got, I went and got, I went and got some Lebanese food after because that area of London has a big Lebanese uh, community. So there's a lot of great little restaurants around there you can pop into and get some good food. So I made a bit of a day of it. So I do recommend if you are in the business of getting your hair cut a certain way, especially in London, and you're pissed off with all the regular people, look, look at this guy's fade here. Look at this fade down here. You can see the HD-ness of that fade. Look at the gradient there. That's a lovely fucking gradient. And you can't get that in a lot of places in London. I know I'm making a big deal out of nothing, but I swear to God, you cannot get a regular decent trim in most parts of London. I've t I can tell you this. I've traveled far and wide. I've gone to places in North London, South London, West London, East London, and they've been terrible. Actually, to tell a lie, the best haircut or the best fade I ever got in my entire life was this one year I went to Mexico City. I went to Mexico City and I went to this random barber shop in Mexico City. The guy took like two hours to cut my hair, but I swear to God, it was the best fade I've ever gotten in my entire life. I wish I had a picture of myself then, but it was immaculate, fucking immaculate. So apart from Mexico City, the best fades I've ever gotten is from F for Fade. I really do recommend that you check it out. Um, again, um, I have to travel from where I live in fucking London all the way to fucking Ealing Broadway. It's basically an hour plus to get there because the station as well, when you get out the station the barbershop i think it's like a 15 20 minute walk from there so it's not even around the corner so i'm really going on a fucking pilgrimage for a haircut but for me personally and for my peace of mind i'd much prefer to give somebody my hard-earned money to get a fade of this sort of level right and to make sure that it looks good like look at look, look at this lineup look at this guy's lineup here in the front look at how good that is. look how smooth that is bro absolutely incredible so yeah big up effort fade they do a really good job there um i would trust every single person that's in there cutting their hair um i usually go for the for the, for the guy that owns the place called Franklin um, but everybody in there basically cuts hair really well so you won't really be um, in bad hands when you go there but of course make sure that you call up and you give them notice and stuff and you book an appointment because they're always always busy uh, you can go sometimes go in and have like a walk-in but for the most part I prefer to kind of make sure that I book it ahead of time just to make sure that I'm able to get in there and sometimes even look even Akon was there see look Akon was there man like Akon you know what I mean convict music that guy was in there, bro. So big up Akon. Even Akon knows while going with the thing. So yeah, big up everybody in there. Um, and even this young man. Look at this young man. Look at this. Look at look how sharp this young man looks. Look at that. Absolutely HD haircut. HD of the HDs. But yeah, um, big up F for Fade. Happy with my haircut. And to be honest. It was never a reminder of why I need to go outside more often. It was quite nice to be out the outdoors, you know, with regular people, people watching, you know, sitting down on a train, reading my book, having a bit of a good time. Like, oh, wow, everybody's outside. This is amazing, right? It's actually quite decent. I'm not going to lie. For someone that's a bit of a hermit like myself, right, that lives, you know, that that's basically um, permanently living online, <laughs> it was quite nice to be around some regular people, to hear the hustle and bustle of a barbershop, people debating and arguing about these nonsense topics and shit it was quite good i'm not gonna lie i just enjoyed it sitting down there like a stranger like a guest all nice and quiet and humble aggie aggie is that you yes that's me thank you getting up and getting my little haircut sitting my fat ass in the chair it was actually quite decent i'm not gonna lie i really enjoyed it so big up f for faith for the experience big up f for fade for the blood clot experience
Then, talking about experience and talking about doing things that you should enjoy or talking about doing more things that you enjoy and using the time on earth that you have to do the things that you love, regardless of what they are. This past weekend, I also made sure that I put priority into the stuff that I like to do and making stuff that I like to put out there, right? So, there was a night to go out on Fold on Friday. Um, This really amazing electronic artist called Blawan was playing at Fold on the Friday night, right? Fold one of our best nightclubs here in London. I was meant to go. Um, it was a sold out night. Um, Origins, one of our best promoters here in London, put it on. He was playing live and also doing a bit of a DJ set. So it'd be live instrumentation and then mix into a DJ set. The tickets are about £30. I could have easily gone. But then last minute, I was like, you know what? Scrap that. I'm not going to go. Instead, I'm going to book a session at Pirate Studios and I'm going to record a little DJ live mix. And I haven't done one of those in ages. I've been putting it off for a while. I've been procrastinating. I've been a bit lazy and stuff. But this past weekend, I made sure to do it. And I'm so happy I did. Because what I realized when I went to do my little DJ set over at Pirate Studios was how much I just enjoy playing music loudly. And I guess with the element of the fucking live stream, it's nice because you can basically play in front of a quote unquote live audience. And it kind of makes it a little bit more exciting because it's live and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you know, fix things up, blah, 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 blah. But just the process of playing in front of a quote unquote live audience, having some, t having some fun, playing loud music, mixing and stuff and fucking around was something that I forgot how much I enjoyed because I hadn't done it for so long. And of course, the bookings in bars and clubs I used to play at before have kind of dried up post-pandemic, which has been a bit of a violin moment, but that's still understandable. But outside of wanting to pursue it as a professional career going on in the future, that would be amazing. I just think the option of having a place like Pirate Studio exists, where you can basically book a studio and you can use club-ready or club standard equipment and play the same way a professional would play in that sort of environment is absolutely, um, we shouldn't take it for granted. I know I took it for granted. And even though the price isn't that, you know, it's not cheap to go there. I think an hour session at Pirate is like 16 pounds or something like that. I forgot how much it is, but, and after all bringing my equipment, I've got to set things up and stuff. It's not the most easy thing to set up. But I think apart from that, once you get all that stuff out of the way, I do think the money spent and the time to go there is well worth it. Because when I left there, I was absolutely buzzing like i was had a couple of drinks i was having a good time bouncing up and down um enjoying playing the music and again it was just a reminder of just why i kind of got into this stuff just because i just like to play the music and again professionally it'll be amazing if i could you know pursue it going forward that would be definitely a good thing that i would want to do but i think just in terms of a hobby it really is one of the most um best things i've kind of done in recent years i'm um, pursuing something like this and just doing it as a really fun adult hobby to do because it's allowed me to be super curious when it comes to music it's allowed me to have a craft that i can kind of focus in on i kind of think of it similar to like guys because there's a lot of dudes that i know that i kind of grew up with who i played football with who have kind of transitioned to playing golf and i never really got the golfing but then i remember listening or speaking to one of my friends about it and they were basically saying that hey the golfing just opens up a whole new avenue of things they could get into it opens up themselves to a new social group obviously the fitness aspects of it there's a the skill aspects of it also because when you start especially a new sport and you're really crap and then you start to get you know a bit better over time it's quite good to see how quickly or how slowly you do kind of learn and you kind of develop to the sport and over time you can track stuff and all these kind of cool things that you don't usually get to do when you're an adult you don't usually get to kind of learn new skills and find new groups of people to hang out with or even travel the world to play golf so i think 
the even though I don't play golf, I think the DJing thing as a hobby is sort of like equivalent to that for me as an adult because I don't play video games anymore. It's not something I'm really probably going to get into anytime soon. So to do a, an activity or a hobby outside of the stuff that I do online that I can kind of enjoy to this sort of level is something that I don't take for granted. So I'm really am I'm happy that I did it. So definitely check it out if you can. It's available on YouTube. It's called Test Mix 64, courtesy of myself. Um, I've also uploaded a track list for it as well, so you can see all the tunes that I played over 40 tunes. Um, unfortunately, the last song, Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine, couldn't be played because YouTube is a bit lame. And I've also uploaded it onto my um, SoundCloud, so you can check it out on my SoundCloud too if you want to see the audio um, version of the mix as well. It's available there. Test Mix number 64. You can see that. And then I think I'm going to be doing this once a month, basically, the live streams. Um, I'm going to be probably um, switching between my two sort of like DJ aliases. So the handsome black man alias will be more so the house and disco quote unquote party DJ type of vibes. And then I'll have the Agostino um, alias for more of the techno um, darker type of stuff. Hence the picture, right? Hence me looking fucking super black there. And all you can see is my eyes and my teeth. That would mostly be the alias for the techno dark stuff. And then obviously handsome black man will be the handle for all the stuff that I'll be doing in terms of disco and the house. So definitely keep an eye out for that. It'll be happening every single, every single month. Um, end of the month, you'll hear a live stream from me going forward with that one. And I'm really happy about it. And I'm really, really happy about it. And I can't believe I didn't do that sooner. And it kind of made me realize again, just in general, I think I don't do this often. I think most people maybe don't do it as well. It really is important regardless of what kind of hobby you're into or the things that you enjoy, like spend more money doing those things as opposed to doing other things. And you will usually have a far happier life or no happier life. You'll usually have moments in your life where you'll feel a little happier. Obviously, sometimes things get in the way, life, relationships, family, all that stuff. But if there's stuff that you can control, and there's stuff that you can do that can make you a little bit more happier, then why not do it? Even if it is like, for instance, I spent like 60 pounds for that fucking set, right? Um, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm literally paying to play at this point, but it brought me a lot of, it, it made me happy. It, I, I was super bouncing around in the fucking room playing. I left the place with a big smile on my face and I can't wait to go and do it again at the end of the month. So all that stuff is good and it was 60 pound well spent. And I think even if it was more, I would do it as well because it gave me a lot, a lot of satisfaction. So you're happy with that one. So moving on from that, I also wanted to talk about and mention the party I went to on Sunday. So I said a lot about Hotbox London. And some of the things I said about Hotbox London on this podcast weren't the greatest, right? I was a little bit angry and frustrated that I was quote-unquote left on scene. I wasn't necessarily getting the response I needed to get from this invite-only, members-only type of close-knit, clicky party vibe that happens here in London that is on a sort of like need-to-know basis, right? And I really wanted to go. Eventually, I did get the response I needed. And then suddenly, of course, I acquiesced. Suddenly, I was a really nice guy and I wanted to go in now. So... I managed to go on Sunday and it's a weird one because I'm not usually a Sunday raver type of person. That's why I've avoided going to Unfold. It's this rave they do on Sundays at Fold, one of the best clubs here in London. And I kind of avoided it because it's on a Sunday and I usually work on a Monday and I'm usually tired and I can't really do the whole Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, flipping thing again. I can't do it. But I was fortunate this weekend, this past weekend, because I did the pirate stream. I did the whole live stream thing at Pirate on the Friday. I didn't go on a Saturday and I was able to go on a Sunday. So I was able to get a bit of a rest in between. So that was made a bit easier. Um, Hotbox itself, again, I'm not going to tell you or 
describe how to get in there, how to basically get an invite, because I think part of the hassle and the aggro of getting there is actually what makes when you finally do get in there somewhat satisfying. So I'm not going to spoil that side of things. So if you do want to go there and you want to find out a way to get there, you're going to work out yourself. But I worked it out. I, I managed to get my ticket. I was happy to go. And when I got the ticket, I realized, oh shit, it's actually quite a long rave because they were doing it from Sunday at 12 p.m. all the way to 12 a.m. So it's a proper 12-hour rave. And obviously in London, because we have really draconian, old school, stuck in the fucking mud um, laws around licensing when it comes to drinks and club opening hours, there is no real way to sort of have that long kind of Berlin-esque kind of, you know, club night where you can go out from Friday until Sunday. So what people are doing now, if you're a promoter to be a little bit clever, people are doing these sort of like kind of daytime into nighttime raves so you can get more time out of it. And also... I'd imagine from being a former promoter, I'd imagine that the Sundays are usually days that not a lot of people book places for. So you have a better option of getting more interesting spaces. You can do more with them. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a Sunday, so you can probably squeeze as much as you can of it. So it started at 12, ended at 12. Obviously, I wasn't going to go there at 12. That's ridiculous. So I left my house at around four. I got there about six, whatever. Um, and I was able to get there and have a good time. And it was quite good as well, because what I realized was that because I left quite early at that 6 p.m., I wasn't keen to like start pre-drinking super early. I went there, um, popped into a local fucking chicken shop, got myself some hot wings and a chicken burger. And then I got myself a little magnum. And I was on I was on the way there, bopping, listening to some music on the way to the club and really well-fed, lined my stomach, had a little bit of a drink and then was able to go in. So I wasn't even kind of steaming as I probably would have been in previous times when I leave the house at fucking 11. So I rocked up there. And as soon as I rocked up to um, Hotbox, the first thing I realized was that, oh, these guys and girls, right? These guys and girls are really serious about this whole like selection thing, right? They don't play around. So as soon as I rocked up, um, the person at the door kind of, you know, gave me the once over, um, kind of, it was the first time I think I've had a vibe of somebody actually door selecting. And that's something, or door picking, whatever the kind of term is, which basically involves the bouncers kind of figuring out if you're the right person for the rave, if you match what they're doing. It's sort of come, something that's sort of like been popularized a lot, obviously, in the Berlin scene, where they don't really care if you have money um, and you can pay to go in. If they don't like the cut of your jib, they're not going to let you in sort of vibe. And I guess even with this party, even though it's an invite, invite even though it's a members only type of needs to know thing. So you have to kind of be in the know to get a ticket. It's still a place where if they see you rock up and you have the wrong vibe, they're going to tell you to go home and give you a refund. They're not on that kind of vibe. So it's quite refreshing to see them take that kind of approach to it. So um, they sort of gave me the once over, made sure I wasn't a fucking psycho, let me in. And then as soon as I walked through the door and I was able to get through the kind of the first ticket, to kind of scan my ticket stuff, and I kind of saw everybody in a sort of main sort of area vibe-wise where it was where everyone was sort of sitting down, I immediately realized why they go to that, you know, why there's such a ball lake to deal with in terms of getting tickets. It made sense because the vibe in there was immaculate. Maybe one of the best atmospheres I've kind of walked into in terms of a London club in a very, very long time. Loads of different people, different races, colours and creeds, sizes, orientations, whatever it may be, expressions. Everyone's just, just having a blast in their own little kind of bubbles. And I think those are usually a good examples or good kind of scenarios of like good club situations where everyone's kind of having their own little bit of fun, their own little pockets of fun. They're not really trying to chase anything. They're all just there having their own little situations. And I guess the space itself made for it as well. I think it was like a community center type of place. I'm not really sure what it was. Um, it was somewhere in South London. Again, location will not be specific on it because I think it's important if you are going to go to go in there as blind as I did. So it was somewhere in South London, 
and the location was like some sort of community center or something along those kind of lines. So it had like a really nice open plan sort of like area where you would probably sit down to do like your dinners and stuff. And it was kind of like a circle. So people were sitting there on the edges and on the inside. And then on the outside, there'll be like a little cloakroom area. And then on the right-hand side, there was a bar that was really fairly cheap also, to be honest. Um, a lot of these DIY events, I'm not too sure if you guys have been there before, um, but a lot of DIY events, sometimes, especially in London, they're a piss take because people will put on an event in the warehouse, they'll buy drinks from a fucking supermarket, and then they'll sell them to you for £10 a, a tin. So they'll buy fucking supermarket tins of beer, like probably 20 packs for like $20, and then they'll sell you one tin for $10. So it was quite nice to go to a space where it was like a community center type of place, and they had community center type of prices, because I think I paid, I got like a double whiskey with no ice for like £6, which again, isn't the cheapest, but still for a, a London club, it was still really, really cheap. So that was pretty decent. And then once I got my drink, I headed inside, and I love the fact that Again, I'm, you know, I love that kind of like, um, it's sort of like a movie scene when you go into some sort of club sometimes. I think it kind of adds to the sort of a law. So if I'm not mistaken, you go through these two black doors to this black corridor, through another set of black doors. And as, me as soon as you open the black doors into the, into the dance floor, you just met with this wave of sound, like boom, 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 super, super loud. And you can't even see the DJ booth. That's how crazy packed it was. People were like climbing over the, over on top of each other, on side of the walls, rolling on the floors, jumping up and down and you couldn't see the DJ booth. And I think for me, having been out often to a lot of these places, I think not seeing the DJ booth at a rave sometimes is a good identification, a good identifier, sorry, identifier of a good party because usually when people are at parties where it's like all about the dj and they're the celebrity they're all just standing there looking at the person like they're at a gig and it could be a bit of a weird atmosphere but at this place similar to some of the best raves i've been to everyone was sort of like facing other directions like back to the dj booth facing the wall looking at their friends just having a good time and by the time i realized where the booth was i was like oh shit everyone's just going for it going crazy and then another sign of where i knew i was in the right space was when i was standing at the back um at the in the little boomer corner, right? Because that's why I'm always am. I'm always in the corner at a little boomer corner, right? Just standing there trying to act like I'm not a fucking undercover fed and I'm not a fucking creep, right? I just stand in the back of the boomer. I just stand in the back of the boomer corner. I took off my jacket and I put it on the side of the railings and I was touching the walls. And as I went to touch the walls, the whole wall was fucking wet. It was dripping. That's how you know you're in a good party. The wall was fucking perspirating. It was full of sweat, full of people's man juices. I'm sure a lot of guys' man juices as well, but I don't give a fuck. And that, to me, was the antithesis of where I was at. Okay, I'm at a really good party. The sound is going crazy. Hardly anyone's wearing fucking clothes. The walls are fucking leaking, and it's absolutely going off. And I absolutely loved every single minute of it. And I honestly... um can understand now why these guys make such a big deal out of making sure only a certain group of people are allowed to go to their party because jesus christ mate when i went in there i finally understood oh now i get why you guys are such a fucking hassle to deal with and why you make it such a pain in the ass to let people like myself get in there and i can also understand from their point of view um why maybe letting in someone like myself um although i think i'm quite plugged in could be a sign that your party's about to go down, right? Because I'm I'm a little bit of a, a techno NPC, or right? I'm a little bit of a techno normie. So maybe when I'm starting to arrive at your rave, that might mean, oh shit, your rave's about to go down because I'm kind of, you know, part of the normie population that wants to kind of come to your parties. But 
I'm really happy and fortunate. No, I'm really happy and grateful that I was given the opportunity to go and have a good time and party there. And I really, really can say that that was legitimately one of, if not the best parties I've been to in London in a very, 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 very long time. And I really do recommend anybody um, who kind of wants to come to London and wants to go party this type of place. I think they do it every single month or something to go there. And another thing I also thought about I was listening to, or I think I remember reading an interview before um, of one of the founders of Hotbox um, called Becky Strook, who's also a DJ there. And I remember she mentioned something like, oh, she was around when, you know, house warehouse parties in Hackney were a big thing. The things I used to go to also, and I used to DJ at them sometimes back in the day. And she was mentioning how, like, you know, she came from that scene of always being groped and being abused and assaulted and just being creeped out in these parties at these warehouse raves in Hackney Wick. And now I understand why they have that approach because I also remember that era of these great house parties or these great warehouse parties in Hackneywick in these sort of like East London warehouses and shit. They were amazing vibes, but they did invite a really weird mix of people, like vagabonds, you know what I mean? Like people that were basically, um, what would you call them? I wouldn't even call them homeless. People that were like unhoused, like these unhoused type of guys that lived in forests and shit. They'd come into the raves and they fucking, it'd be a weird mix of people. You'd have all these rave kids. You'd have all these area boys. You'd have all these unhoused people. You'd have the dealers. It was just a bit, it was too, too toxic really. So I understand why she probably came from that environment and decided, hey, when I do my own party, I wanted to have that kind of, you know, sort of like rough around the edges DIY vibe that those warehouse parties had. But also I want it to be a space where people can be safe. You're never going to have a safe space in London or in any sort of nightlife scene. I think the whole safe space idea is really dumb because it's nightlife. You're going to always have creeps and monsters out at night. And I think like most of our parents were right when we were growing up, like nothing really good happens at night after 9 p.m. anyway. So you're always going to open yourself up to being in those sort of environments. But what you can do, you can create environments where you sort of mitigate around that. You can't completely eradicate it, but you can create environments where you can make sure that the dickheads aren't being encouraged. And one thing I remember seeing at Hotbox, which they did really well, they had all these kind of... um there are these guys and girls walking around on the dance floor with um, pink high-vest jackets on, um, being like, you know, wellness or something, something, whatever it may be. And they were basically walking around and making sure everyone was chill, everyone was cool. They weren't being super intrusive, but just they were always kind of around. You could kind of feel them here and there, just kind of making sure everyone was nice, everyone was kind of cool. And I think that kind of added to the atmosphere. And of course, just in general, everyone in there was just really nice. Um, I didn't meet what dickhead in there. Everyone was open to talk and have a good chat and just hang out. And I really didn't enjoy the vibe. I enjoyed the vibe so much so that I put together a little interview, actually, um, interviewing some people on the dance floor about their experience and how they liked it. And I'm going to play a few of the clips here of some of my, um, you know, on the dance floor journalism. So please bear with me as I play this little clip here. It's a little bit cringe because I, you know, I'm, I sound a little bit, I sound a little bit drunk and high and excited, but you'll understand what the vibe is. So this is me on the dance floor interviewing random people here via my voice notes application on my iPhone. Very, very, um, high technology features here. Let's go. What, what's, what's the appeal of this? Why do you like it so much? It's the freedom. There's no judgment. Everyone is here to have a good time. And they don't let idiots in. And how do you think they keep the idiots out? How is it possible? Because you know London is full of idiots. It's mostly members only and we have a really good doors now in London. It's really that simple. Good door picking and good security. Okay, now you next up. For your first time here. Yep. What do you like about it so far? 
I like a physical mix of spaces. You have a really good space here, on the dance floor, several spaces to sit inside and you have the bar area. And I need all of them of spaces for different points of my life. And that means I can relax, and I can stay for longer and enjoy every part of the night. Uh, a good chill out area is a good, is a important. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, good to know. Thank you very much. Another reason why I like this space is that it's wheelchair accessible with an accessible toilet. Which means you can get everybody in. It's really important to be inclusive like this, otherwise you're just kind of posing. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's actually accessible to everybody. Yeah. yeah, 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 like for real, like not, not just like uh, lip service. Great point, fucking fantastic point. Honestly, I have to say like it's worth the hassle of getting the like secret word and all that malarkey, it's worth the hassle. So, what makes this so special, this place? Party-wise. For you personally. What makes this special? Uh, Hold on, sorry, a bad question. You know how London is, there's lots of parties on. Yeah. Why do you bother coming out for this? Why do you make the effort to come out on the Sunday for this? And yeah, big up everybody who I spoke to in there who were able to lend me their ear and I could basically annoy them on the dance floor with a couple of those questions. Um, one of them was obviously a couple that I spoke to, these two gay guys who are really nice. And then at the end, there was a young lady there that was able to speak to. And as you can see from the lack of pictures and shit, um, they do go out of their way to make sure that they cover your phone camera with a sticker before you go in there. So it's similar to the whole Berlin vibe. Um, but they do really stress that you're not allowed to do any videos, not to take any pictures on the dance floor so the fact that i was able to get away with a couple of voice memo interviews was a big deal so i didn't want to kind of you know overstep the mark and do anything too crazy so i thought i'd just kind of get an overall kind of vibe of what was getting in there was from some of the opinions that you kind of heard from the people there on the dance floor live and direct so big up everybody in there that was able to kind of you know let me their ear and whatnot but i do think the next time that i go um because they make such a big deal out of not using your phone and you know embracing the kind of you know immersing yourself in the environment i think i may do something similar um, 
um, to what they do at fucking Bergheim and just leave my phone in my pocket and not use it. Um, there were people obviously using their phone because you can use them, um, but you're not just not allowed to take any pictures of yourself. Like you can obviously record little Instagram stories and stuff. They do fucking um, share. They do um, share videos and clips of people on Instagram on their Instagram stories from the dance floor. So obviously you can share stories and stuff, but you're just not allowed to take any pictures of people in there and stuff or whatever and not kind of you know expose them or whatever it may be uh, in that kind of vibe so that was kind of a nice thing to see but i think as a challenge as i've done previously when i've been to other places as a challenge to myself i think i may just do the whole like not touching my phone thing because sometimes i feel like in those places touching your phone sometimes can be a bit of a it can be a little bit of a way to, for you to like avoid feeling awkward or not feeling too comfortable in a space, you sort of like go to your safe space and touching your phone and checking your social media, going on your fucking apps, checking who's messaging you, uploading something on Instagram, all that sort of stuff can be a crux to not really let you to kind of immerse yourself in a situation and environment. And really, it can sometimes take away from the benefits of why that thing is in place. Because the whole point of those sticker things is to make people kind of be a little bit more present and i think london especially needs it more than anything right you need to be able to be present in these spaces to really enjoy them and to make everybody else around you feel more comfortable but you know it's it's odd like i said because it's in some parts in some ways some places encourage it because like i said if you go on the you know on the hotbox instagram on the day of the event they will reshare and repost pictures and clips of people posting videos and whatnot from the dance floor obviously with the camera blacked out so it's kind of like a weird situation because you're covering people's cameras but then you're also kind of encouraging the behavior by sharing some of the pictures and images on your instagram so it's a kind of a strange thing but overall that aside, I think they do a really good job of making sure the people that go to the events are a good bunch and they are the ones that help to kind of make the vibe what it is. And I think I've mentioned it prior on previous times. I think that the most important thing in parties or the most important thing in most places actually is the community that goes there. It really isn't the sound system. It really isn't the DJs that you book. It really isn't the club space itself. It really is the people that go there. And if the people are go that going to your party, unfortunately, if you attract a group of wankers, there's no other way you can really fix that apart from ending the party and starting again, really. So the fact that they do such a good job at making sure they have a real lack of wankers on a dance floor is a really big deal, especially when you consider the, the, the areas of interest their fans and their ravers come from, you know, fashion, art, creative, sort of side of things. There is a high um, percentage of people from that scene who can be deemed to be a little bit up there on ass and a bit wankery. But I didn't meet one cunt, one wanker when I was out there. Everybody was fucking sound, had a great time. Um, I left there about 11 11.30 at night. I went to catch the last train home because obviously it was in like South London. So if I left there after 12, it would mean I have to get the night service. And that kind of makes it a bit tricky for me to get back to where I live. So I left um, obviously before 12 and I got home at a decent hour and I kind of understood the, the Sunday raving. It's a bit mad. Don't get me wrong. It's a bit crazy to be going out from like 12 to 12. Um, obviously, I, got, I didn't get there for 12. I got there about 6, 7 p.m. But I understand it because you can technically get that 12 hour sort of hit that you need instead of going to Berlin. You can basically do that sort of thing in London. And also raving on a Sunday kind of reminds me of what ha used to happen back in the day when a lot of my friends would put on raves and parties between Mondays and Thursdays because that was a good time because you kind of avoided the weekend warrior crowds. And you could also sometimes find 
cooler more interesting spaces to hire for cheaper because it was like a weekday and usually those days weren't in demand um and usually you'd have a way funner time because it'd be a really small concentrated group of people who were there for the right reason so i think the whole sunday thing is a big big um plus for the whole london scene obviously it's annoying because it's only come about because we don't really have the ability to rave normally quote-unquote like other major cities like berlin do throughout the friday all the way to sunday or whatever it may be not a lot of places have 24-hour licenses blah 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 but in a way to kind of get around it doing the whole sunday thing from 12 to 12 is great you can you can go to bed and still kind of wake up early enough in the morning to get to work in the monday it's pretty decent so i'm really a big fan of it and i recommend anybody that's into the type of music that i like and you're in london and you want to go somewhere a little bit more interesting a little bit more cool and you're maybe a bit fed up of going to fold every week like i am even though fold's one of our best clubs in london i just went somewhere a little bit different to kind of freshen things up a bit because i feel like going to the same place all the time anyway can be a bit naff i really recommend you check out um hotbox it really was legitimately one of the best parties i've been to in london and i honestly can't wait to go back again and the fact that they do it only once a month as well kind of makes it a little bit something to look forward to um and obviously like i said before for me the next challenge when i do go there is to go there and really immerse myself and be on the dance floor because the whole entire time I was standing on the fucking boomer corner just watching and kind of observing from afar but the next challenge when i do go is to be on the dance floor tops off and absolutely going through it like everybody else that was there so i'm really 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 am i'm thankful that i was able to go and i can't wait to go again um soon very very soon so moving on from that one i want to speak about some technology stuff so apple had an event recently um allegedly it was all filmed on an iphone which is a bit strange they love promoting that whole like oh we filmed this announcement for apple on the iphone but if you saw the rig they were using it was hilarious it was filmed on an iphone but they were have they had this amazing lighting this amazing little kind of um device to hold the phone and make it steady and shit so even though it was filmed with an iphone all the option all this all the sort of like the gear around it was kind of stuff that you would use if you're using like a red camera so it was a little bit deceptive but that aside they did introduce a new MacBook and they introduced it in this space black, this anodized black version, and it looks absolutely amazing. So this is courtesy of The Verge. It says Apple's new high-end MacBook Pro comes in a black with up to 128 gigabytes in RAM. Um, and it's obviously an M3, it's got the new M3 Pro um, chip inside, or no, the new M3 chip, um, you've got the Pro and you've got the Max as well version there, let's read the little blurb, it says alongside a refreshed iMac and a newly um, entry level 14 inch MacBook Pro featuring the M3 chip, um, Apple is introducing upgrade models of the 14 inch and a 16 inch MacBook Pro with the M3 and M3 Max processor today, design wise they retain the exact same look and port layouts but have come in a new space black colorway, so obviously the big deal is this space black colorway um for the longest time a lot of people have been kind of getting their macbooks wrapped or you know fully sprayed or customized from the different companies out there that can basically take your laptop and spray it up and get it looking of whatever color that you need to, to get looked in nowadays there's a lot of people doing really cool vinyl wraps but what this reminded me of was this legendary um Hypebeast Essentials article from like 2012 featuring Virgil Abloh where he sported an all black MacBook and I remember I think Ye or Kanye had one also back in the day um so you see here a nice little spread there from back in the day um featuring Virgil Abloh RIP to him and it also features you know his um MacBook Pro he had here that was customized in this matte black colorway so I'm sure you have a lot of people within the creative world who would 
constantly try to get their own MacBook, you know, wrapped individually itself or customized by particular companies who are probably going to be jumping at this MacBook the same way that I'm going to be jumping at it because I need to upgrade mine anyway. So this is definitely something to aim for to go and purchase. So I'm definitely on the way to go and get this. And I also like the fact that they've updated their models. So if I'm not mistaken, they've taken away that horrible MacBook Pro that had the touch bar at the top. I fucking hate that touch bar. Um, I'd never liked it. I thought it was a bit naff, that little LED touch bar thing they had on the top there. I never really liked it. And now they're taking that away. So MacBook Pros um, listed on the Apple Store are only in this new kind of like um, the design that's flat and a bit square and boxy in that 14 inch and 16 inch color and 14 inch and 16 inch sizes. And I also like the fact that they've got these nice little um, bumper um, rubber bumps in the bottom as well so it kind of gives it it's really almost um what do you call it really nice kind of boxy industrial minimal type of vibe so i'm really i'm a big fan of it and again that space black anodized black version looks really really beautiful um it says here in the blurb the machine raises the bar in several rays, ranging from a sheer performance to configurability. For example, the M3 MacBook Pro can be ordered up to 128 gigabyte in RAM, a new high for Apple's um, laptops. Pre-orders start today and the M3 models will be available from November the 7th. The M3 Mac units will take a bit longer to ship and are due to arrive sometime later in 2012. No, sometime in November, sorry. Apple says this new spaceback finish should be um, less of a fingerprint magnet than a dark blue mid night air the company attributes this to the breakthrough chemistry that forms the anodization seal to greatly reduce fingerprints that's what they're saying but i'm sure once people get their hands on these there's going to be a lot of youtubers probably doing a lot of tests to make sure that these claims are being you know are going to be somewhat sustained um because i'm sure that you know no amount of chemical mixing is going to avoid people's sweaty stinky fingerprints tapping up on the place but as long as you can wipe it down easily enough i think that should be fairly fine um the car that said i can imagine that the seal will be much to prevent the scratches and scruffs and this friends is exactly why i go for the silver every time even so i would appreciate it it just looks like more onimous and powerful but yeah it does look really cool i'm really eager to get one like i said because i've got i'm still using my macbook pro from like 2015 and shit so i i needed to i need an upgrade more than ever so i'm probably going to end up getting this sooner rather than later and i'll probably end up getting it probably maxed out to the end i think when i checked it the absolute top spec of everything because i'll probably end up getting the 14 inch space black version is about three grand which is a lot of money for a fucking laptop right three thousand pounds for a fucking laptop is a lot of fucking money but i'll probably end up having to get it one way or another sooner rather than later but yeah this new anodized space black macbook pro looks absolutely beautiful love everything about it and i can't wait to get that thing in my hands I can't wait to get it in my hands. Yeah, exactly, Jinx. <laughs> Buy consumer, obey, conform. Yeah, that's me, man. When it comes to Apple, I'm a big old fanboy. When it comes to them releasing new things and putting stuff in new colorways or making them smaller or allegedly making them faster, I'm a fucking sucker. I will bend over, spread my ass cheeks and give them every bit of money that I have to buy those things. I'm an unashamed unashamed apple fanboy i really can't help it i really 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 cannot help it so moving on from that one i want to mention this unfortunately i didn't 
take any screen grabs before the Instagram account went down. I'm not too sure why it went down. I'm assuming a lot of the backlash is the reason, but if you're not um, aware of what's happening, this collective or this club night um, that used to happen here in London called Guttering, they're going through a little bit of an issue where I think one of the founders, which might be this guy here, White, white Trash Trey, I think his name is Luke, this guy here wearing the all white has been alleged or been accused of some creepy stuff involving girls or boys who really know what's going on. But it's a standard thing that happens in nightlife collectors unfortunately but one of the unfortunate things about it is that these kids were i think they kind of blew up during the whole pandemic covid sort of era and essentially they were providing a space for kids in london especially to kind of rave to what i would probably term gabba music a lot of hard dance a lot of hard trance a lot of industrial stuff a lot of um a lot of i don't know cyber pop pc music type of vibes and stuff that you don't really see being played in a lot of clubs nowadays and it blew up very quickly um they garnered a big community of kids that were coming out to go and see them play so it's quite unfortunate that recently they went into this scandal and again i went to speak about the scandal because they put up a, a major post on their instagram page you know basically addressing a lot of the fucking um addressing a lot of the issues of what was happening and basically trying to defend themselves and they were getting some pushback in the comments i wanted to kind of speak on it and obviously it looks like they've taken their page down last time i checked i don't think their page is available if you go on instagram.com for just guttering you won't see their page available unfortunately it's been taken down so possibly they're taking some time off to address it and the reason why i think this is really unfortunate is number two is one of two things basically the first thing is that what it basically proves is what I've said it previously before is that the idea of a safe space doesn't exist. There's no such thing as safe spaces. If you go out at night after 9 p.m., you're only inviting nonsense into your life because at night there's just so many creeps, weirdos and fuckheads around. It's almost impossible to avoid them. What you can do is mitigate against it and provide people with a space where they can be somewhat safe, but a flat out safe space where you're not going to be around any creeps, any weirdos. It's almost impossible in nightlife. So I really do um, hate it when these collectors pop up and they almost sort of like, I wouldn't say even virtue signal. It's almost like they're trying to act like they're better than everybody else out there and that all the creeps and weirdos only exist in the scenes that they don't like. So when these guys pop up, it's mostly like kind of like, oh, we're looking down on the tech house scene. We're looking down on the EDM guys. And they're sort of like looking down on these people who are having their nose up in the air, acting like they're better than them. When really and truly, these issues that we have in nightlife, they exist across the board. If anything, we all need to be united to sort of address these issues, to kind of make sure that sexual assault, sexual harassment, um, you know, uh, homophobia, all these type of things are basically being rid from the dance floor across the board, then saying that one seems better than the other because they all have the same issues. And what I've noticed as well, the more hyper-specified, the, the more hyper-specific, sorry, the more niche, the more really core, the more underground the scene is, usually the more issues they have behind the scenes because they can get away with it. Because obviously there's not a lot of eyes and ears kind of paying attention to it. And also because they're really small, a lot of the people in there can have overflated senses of egos and they can kind of get away with more and kind of silence a lot of people when they say some stuff. So I've heard that allegedly this sort of stuff was been happening for a while. It's something that kind of popped up six months ago, but then it kind of really its ugly head again recently. So it's not even like a new thing. But then the other thing that really made me sad about it is that when this party was happening, the reason why I liked it was because I remember thinking to myself, where have all the goths where have all the punks, where have all the old kids, where have all the weirdos and freaks and shit in London, especially the, the younger ones, where have they gone? 
And I guess they've always been around them. They just never had a space that they could go to and have a good time at. So when Gutterings came around, it felt like they were providing a space for all these like really young kids who looked a particular way to go to a place where they could kind of feel somewhat safe and they could be around people like each other, like-minded people, find new friends, listen to the music that they actually liked and kind of party in a different way than what they're kind of used to in conventional clubs. So the really sad thing about what Gutterings are going through is that all these kids that found a safe haven with Gutterings are now basically, quote-unquote, homeless when it comes to clubs because of one guy's creepo behavior, one guy's you know inability to keep his hands to himself has now resulted in all these kids not having a space to go to that they can call their own. That's the only thing that's a bit annoying and sad about this situation. So the people that lose out the most are the punters, are the innocent kids just when they're having a good time, wanting to express themselves, wanting to be around like-minded people, people wanting to find their community and hang out and all that good stuff so that's what i would hope at the end if they do figure out a solution to fix it that they're able to kind of come back around to provide these kids with a solution and a place that they could go to to call their own because now that they're kind of homeless where do they go right they're not exactly going to be welcomed at fabric they're not going to be able to go to e1 they're not going to be able to go to places even sometimes even maybe not side and fold so they have to kind of you know basically try and find other solutions to kind of make it work so it's really unfortunate it happened i wish it wouldn't but again it's another reminder that unfortunately nightlife just attracts a certain type of person it just allows certain types of energies to kind of live and exist and it's not something that we should be pointing fingers at we should be trying to address these issues as one sort of like unified nightlife collective sort of thing it's probably never going to happen because everyone's sort of their own little clicks and stuff but i wish that was the case so hopefully they sort it out hopefully whoever has been the victim or has kind of suffered on the hands of these people are able to kind of find some sort of healing or whatnot or some sort of um, resolution and then we can get to a space where maybe this these guys don't come back in the same iterations maybe another group of kids start another thing up to kind of replace it but it will be nice to see another collective step up and sort of house some of these kids that kind of popped up out of the blue and were basically loving the vibe at guttering and really found a safe space that they could kind of call their own hopefully that happens going forward because it's kind of sad that those are the kids who are basically suffering the most because of you know one person's indiscretion or because of a collective's inability to kind of deal with these situations correctly so hopefully hopefully there's a solution that comes around of it hopefully 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 a solution comes around of it that's the only thing we can hope for um moving on from that moving on from that we have to talk about what happened over the weekend so over this past weekend in berlin was the pan 15th anniversary at Berghain slash panorama bar and i'm so upset that i wasn't there um again things came up last minute i couldn't be able to go and i'm going to be able to go to berlin at the end of flipping november so i'm really happy about that but the pan 15th anniversary lineup was absolutely incredible everyone was talking about it it was really the kind of you know thing that was on the everyone's sort of like lips um for the last couple of weeks when it was announced that skrillex was another a special guest for it and I was really interested to hear what people would say about Skrillex playing in, Ber in Bergheim because really, you don't really hear of a DJ like Skrillex, especially from the EDM side of things, uh, playing in a place like Bergheim because it's kind of known to be a little, I wouldn't say snobby, but it has a particular type of sound it kind of goes for, but it doesn't usually kind of cater to that kind of mainstream type of an artist. But Skrillex nowadays, I think has kind of earned um, you know has kind of got his stripes in the industry obviously being a, a crazy great producer but has also kind of been able to kind of give respect to his ability to kind of be able to play with with underground and also overground he can kind of do both things at the same time really really well to a really high level so i think a lot of people were curious to see 
what's Skrillex going to be able to bring his level or his type of sound to Bergheim and do a good job or would he kind of acquiesce and kind of change his sound to it somewhere else people were kind of really weren't really sure what was going on there but the lineup itself was absolutely crazy um the final lineup itself that was on there um as you can see people like Amnesia Scanner that was playing there you got Crystal Measurement Skrillex Arca playing there also you got Juliana Huxtable um in Nanjuja playing there Object Use Timor who I'm a big fan of uh, again I'm curious to see what he played in in terms of music because he was playing in the panorama by the house room but the 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 place was packed from what i've heard um i've seen videos and clips of people basically queuing up and it looked like the queue was stretching from the front of burkine all the way until there's like a little retail park type of area thing next to the station that's quite near to Berghain. so basically the queue was going from the front all the way until that kind of like retail park car park area where there's sort of like hardware stores and shit which is a really long way if you've been to Berghain, you know how far that is so the queue was absolutely crazy i heard people were waiting upwards of like seven hours in the queue and of course because it was so crazy because it was so crazy people were fucking cutting the line People were cutting in the queue, which is really sad and unpleasant. But I think that's kind of the situation that happens a lot with these kind of busy sort of events. But I do have a couple of clips here that kind of show you the length of the queue that was outside. They can kind of tell you, uh, give you an idea of how long um, people were waiting to kind of go inside here. I've got these kind of clips here, courtesy of Instagram. So as you can see here from this picture, the club is somewhere around here. So this is really long. This is a really far away. Basically, the club is somewhere around here. So it's like a... This is like a easily a hundred plus people deep. But I'll play the clip for you so you can see how long the queue was. The queue was absolutely meaty. It's wrapping around all the way until the end. Of end of the road where the metro sign is. And then wrapping back around again. So can you imagine what it must have been like for tourists going to Bergheim for the first time, jumping out of a taxi and then having to walk, jumping out in front of the club and then having to walk all the way to the back <laughs> next to where the fucking metro sign is to go and stand in the back of the queue that's how long it was it was snaking all the way around like this absolutely crazy amount of people that were there and again unfortunately um there was a lot of line cutting as well happening which i guess happens a lot with people when it's a busy night out and and again you can see a little bit of it here too i need to mute the sound here because this person played a fucking cannibal corpse tune here so i'll probably end up getting taken down with copyright if i leave it playing too loud but this is a, obviously another image too of the queue and how how busy it was. Look at that. Let me sound a bit there. As you can see there, look how long that is. All the way at the end. And one of the only annoying things about the Bergheim queue and why it gets so long like this is the fact that um usually it's kind of a single file type of queue. But when it gets this type of when it gets really this busy, you you what you'll see, you'll see a lot of people just run to the front. So you'd be standing there and someone just standing right next to you and just cut the queue. And for me personally, I never accept that shit. I'll call people out. I'll tap them on the shoulder and tell them to get to the back. Like I'll get into fucking heated arguments. I'm not about to let anybody cut in the queue. And I think a lot of people, for some reason, are so afraid of the Bergheim thing and not getting let in. They're so scared of not getting let in that they don't want to have a confrontation. But me personally, I'd much rather have the confrontation and have somebody get, you know, tell someone to get to the fucking back and then when i get to the front of the queue and, and they ask me hey why are you arguing in the queue i can explain and say hey i was queuing it for six hours if i tried to cut in and then if they decide to let me in cool if they don't whatever it may be but i'm not about to stand there for six hours and let some fucking scrub just jump in front of me because i'm worried i might not get in it's not that serious of a club obviously it's serious enough to stand there for six hours but i'm also not letting anybody take
take advantage of me and let me cut in front. I've never ever done that. But people sometimes, you know, I understand when they get a bit worried. But the queue itself was absolutely crazy. As you can see, there's no such thing as a single file here. Everybody's standing next to each other, really on top of each other. Um, you know, there's no idea who's first, who's second. And you really have to kind of have a lot of patience to be able to put up with all of this, especially in the cold, especially in the rain, and be there and enjoy all this sort of good stuff. It really is fucking crazy. So big up the guys and girls that were able to do so. Personally, not for me. Personally, not for me. So I went to quickly also see some reviews of what was happening. So I did take a couple screen grabs from the fucking lovely, lovely, lovely Berghain community subreddit where people kind of made their reviews about the Skrillex playing there because I'm really curious to see how Skrillex played at Berghain Panama Bar, right? So this is courtesy of the Berghain community subreddit and it says as follows. It says, um, Skrillex, how was it? This person says, I thought it was entirely shit. <laughs> Skaven review. I was ready for him to rise to the occasion for this artist arc to materialize with groundbreaking, interesting, well-constructed set. Instead, we got a cheap frat boy hodgepodge of tunes, which made me cringe. He played some flow down stuff, which sounded great on a sound system, but it comes moments after hearing a crap. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard remix, followed by why they hide their bodies under my garage. All he did was take his Coachella set with Fortet and Fred again, added some um, dated Blawan and stayed off the table and microphone. Thank Christ. Another person called Bear Claw, who I think might be a DJ. I think Bear Claw might be a DJ. Um, they replied and said as follows. Were you even there? First of all, it was actually Crystal Mess um, who played uh, my Milkshake remix, not Skrillex. And she played heaps of drum and bass as well, which I thought was very, very cool. The set was more leaned into techno club heavy mixing of songs. He played songs for uh, Xena, Badass, Inhale, XL, Fine Day's Anthem, a remix of Rumble, but not, but nearly nothing of the more light mooded and commercial songs he has. No dubstep, early days Skrillex, no Jacku, etc. I loved it. The vibe was off the charts, and the whole floor had a great time. My sister works at Berkine and was a bit skeptical, but she told me she was impressed that Pan overall was a very good night out to have witnessed. Now this is a perfect antithesis of what's happening at Berkine. People just in general are just so close-minded. They really are, in what I've noticed, especially in Berlin or in Berghain in general. The vibe over there, they really only want a particular type of sound. That's why I kind of understand why LSDXOXO was going off on people. Don't get me wrong, he went a bit too far. He was kind of basically, you know, accusing Berghain customers of being fucking racist and homophobic, which is absolutely insane. But I understand what he means about the club not being fun right about them only wanting a certain type of music because i know having been there how people negatively react on the dance floor if you play too many vocals honestly Bergheim main floor if you play too many vocals people get annoyed if it's too commercial they get annoyed if it's too light they get annoyed like all they want is like four to the you know four by four you know walls to the wall balls to the wall 130 bpm plus dark dark tank no no groove no nothing just boom 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 over your head and what I liked about the pan night is that the bookings, especially with the Skrillex, just made it more interesting. You know, they made it more interesting. They made it more interesting. They made it more interesting. And it really is a shame 
that they don't do more of those things more often. And again, it's more of a pan thing to get Skrillex involved, but I would love to see them do more of these type of bookings where you get a really commercial person who you probably wouldn't expect to play at Bergheim to play there. And then you kind of set them the challenge of trying to appease that Bergheim crowd by kind of doing their own thing, but also matching the vibe there. I think it would kind of keep it fresh because there's only so many variations of that dark techno sound that you can have in one space before it gets a bit boring. So that's kind of a good representation of what was going on there. And then we've got another review here that says, I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed his set. He mixed various genres together while always coming back with good techno and dubstep and kept the pace interesting throughout. He had many loud ovations from the crowd and personally thanked him for a great set when he crossed paths in Pano. I would definitely like to catch his set again. Another person says, I saw 50 minutes. Um, it was truly okay. Negative shout out to the guy who yelled, Skrillex is killing it in the line after exiting the club. <laughs> that is some top shit, top shit housery. Big up that guy. And the last person here says, I had a really good time. I came in 10 minutes late, but then stayed for the whole time. The crowd was versatile. There was also quite some, there was a lot of bros in the club, but I saw that coming before and was mentally prepared for it. I, I hate how, for some reason, this techno scene has such an issue with what you deem it to be technically like straight guys. There's such a weird tension between that. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why there's such a weird tension between like the LGBTQ queer gay side of guys and just the Chad bro types who want to go to these parties. I thought it was free space for everybody. Why can't we all just live kind of free and easy amongst each other? Why does there be so much attention? Like, you don't want to fuck them. They don't want to fuck you. What's the problem? Just to coexist. It's not that big of an issue. Like, I was so nervous because of the bro energy. It's like, bro, come on, man. Anyway, who cares? Um, However, my friend got hit in the head by an idiot trying to headbang. <laughs> and that kind of sucked. The set was versatile and the vibe was a bit harder and less bright than his RSO set in June. He played a lot of techno, but also a lot of bass music, stuff from his new albums, some rap mixed in. The transitions were often quite quick and included surprising genre switches, making it very entertaining to listen to the set for the whole time. In general, it was exactly what I would have expected. A great mix of techno, bass, some fun tunes that some people might might call cringe which i definitely um is a personal opinion and i liked it it was well balanced and there was no moment where i thought it was going to become cringe so again it, it, various replies some people are saying it's shit some people are saying it's amazing i personally think from what i can gather with reading people online it was a bit refreshing to have but again people are very close-minded especially over there in berlin maybe even more so here in london uh, i always thought the london scene was a bit close-minded but i think the berlin guys definitely do trump us but I also understand what they mean because I've never seen this amount of videos uploaded from Berghain on the inside. Again, they usually cover your camera anyway, so you're not going to see anything from these videos. But people were recording clips of like tunes and stuff or the whole set. I think one particular person recorded the entire set of Skrillex playing there via audio, but I think it got taken down on YouTube. So that type of energy only happens when you book certain people. So that's the issue that Berghain have. Like if you book certain DJs, they do invite a certain crowd of people who might spoil the sanctity of the club and what the whole vibe is about, right? I understand what they mean by it. But 
some of the clips are quite interesting because you get an idea on the kind of vibe that was going on there. And I guess as I searched here via YouTube, you can see a couple of clips here people uploaded of Skrillex playing. And one in particular here, people were going absolutely crazy for, I think was this one, um, which says it's a new ID featuring a song by a person called Hamdi. It's called Accounting Remix. This is courtesy of Berg and 2. This user called Outsider who uploaded this clip as well. And these clips are racking up many, many views on YouTube. So clearly, yet the energy in there was pretty good. Let's play this clip here. Oh shit. Hamdi, no? Hamdi counting. Yeah. Hamdi! I'm not gonna lie, man. Hearing that sort of stuff on the burger and sound system must have been so good. Come on, man. Like, I know it's not something that you might listen to in your everyday life. If you're not into EDM, I get it. If you're a bit snobby, I get it. But still, listening to that kind of music on that Berghain sound system must have been quite refreshing to hear that sort of stuff. Like, that sounds fucking hard. This is recorded through a fucking phone and uploaded onto YouTube. The quality is fucking terrible. But I can imagine what it probably was have sounded like if you were there. But one of the interesting things I loved about it was this review. I got this other review that I clipped from fucking the Burger and subreddit. This guy's review is absolutely incredible, right? Because it features this really interesting bit about Arca. Because Arca also played there. And Arca's a fucking legend. Look at this review. This part of the review made me fucking laugh. This is courtesy of the Burger and subreddit. Um, and it says the following um, regarding Arca, right? It says, as soon as I got into the dance floor by the bar entrance, I can see her playing some experimental tribal stuff, something in the sound of COP32 or space drum meditation to name something. Then some hyper pop pads with chipmunk voices. And all of a sudden she cuts the music to ask for a Moscow Mueller and a water because she's thirsty and needs it. And if you know anything about Bergheim, you'll know that these guys absolutely hate it when DJs get on the microphone, which is annoying because a lot of techno's roots, a lot of house music's roots are kind of rooted in DJs using the microphone to kind of like, you know, drum up the crowd and introduce songs and stuff and just fuck around, right? I think of people like Moody Man, all these type of people that would play that sort of way. But in the Berlin nightlife electronic dance music scene they absolutely hate it when DJs get on the microphone so the fact that Arca was able to get on the mic and request a Moscow Mueller <laughs> and a water right <laughs> in between her playing the sets and that people going absolutely crazy for it was absolutely great I wish I could have seen that um it continues here um Moscow Mueller and water because she's first and needed it the music plays again for five minutes quite same vibe cuts again to ask for a Moscow Mueller and the water either way the way she does it was so funny and authentic that I laughed my ass off quite hard during its interruptions the music again was with Cardi B Burnack Yellow mixed in with some different textures and pads to make it more intense uh reggaeton Kuduro Dembo Industrial Techno Jersey Club um and obviously my personal favorite DJ Slink put your back in it 
um, a lot of breakbeat and experimental beats um, with ups and downs and BPMs. If again, if you know anything about Berlin, you know that these guys absolutely detest breakbeats. Also, so I can imagine some of the purists, some of the chin strokers, they were having such a fucking weird moment because they all love Arca. They love how experimental and how interesting and wide ranging of an artist Arca is. But also, those genres are like Berlin Kryptonite. Dembo, Kaduro, Reggaeton. Like imagine Arca playing fucking bad bunny and shit on that dance floor. People are probably thinking, oh my god, I want to leave, but it's also Arca, so I want to stay because I know it's gonna get interesting. So that's all really, really funny to me in that kind of vibe. But I would have really loved to have gone to be fair, because I think that type of music to play in that sort of space was be a little bit more interesting than the usual shit you hear there. And then there was actually this song that I wanna actually get a tune ID from that I actually got from Instagram stories of Arca. I don't know what this is. I'm not too sure if this is an, a soundtrack from an anime, if this is maybe something else, but I heard this being played at Berkheim with Arca, and I wonder what this was. Can, did, if anybody knows what this is, please let me know in the comments, because this sounds fucking incredible. Arca played this during the time there at Pan 15th, and it sounds absolutely phenomenal. Again, I'm not sure if it's an anime soundtrack, I'm not too sure if it's something else, but whatever it is, it sounds fucking magical. <laughs> so good i don't know what i don't know what it is honestly i think maybe because i'm i'm in the anime mood because i was watching um what you call it i was watching a lot of fucking ghosts in the show recently so maybe that's why it made me kind of think of it but i don't really know what the track is but it's absolutely phenomenal arca played it um during a set there at Berghain. and again just imagine that and the Berghain sound system just imagine that type of tempo playing there i've heard reports of people playing you know 80 bpm 90 bpm on the main dance floor so people were probably a little bit didn't know what to do with their whole bodies while they're out there but it sounded interesting and i honestly do think this is the whole reason why Berghain still for me is one of the best clubs in the world because of that ability to have those type of DJs those type of artists playing that sort of space playing those type of music playing that type of music playing those type of tempos those type of sounds and basically challenging the customers to be a little bit more open-minded because I think that's one thing that's a little bit of uh, a sad thing to see about the scene over there as great as it is with the times and the fact that you go to so many different places and you can basically see a, a whole slew of djs some of the best people in the world playing there i think sometimes the sounds and the tunes played can be a little bit you know samey samey because the punters really only want to hear one thing unfortunately but it sounded great sounded amazing i'm really am hopeful that i'm able to go there probably next time and like i said before i'll probably be there sometime at the end of november i will be there sometime at the end of november i cannot wait moving on from that one let's get into some fashion stuff so this is news courtesy of rob report regarding a nego auction 
Nigo is auctioning off some of his rare designer clothings and jewelry and stuff on the Pharrell platform Jupiter, the same place where Pharrell shifted a lot of his jewelry that Drake eventually ended up buying and dissing Pusha T on, which is absolutely hilarious. So this is courtesy of Rob Report. It says Nigo's auctioning off a trove of rare designer pieces on Pharrell's Jupiter platform. Some of the stuff is obviously from the heady days of when Nigo and Pharrell first met and the eras where Nigo was at Baby Nape and just fucking crushing the game and kind of killing it with some of his jewelry pieces and some of his purchases and stuff. So the funny thing as well is because fashion is so cyclical and trends are so cyclical that all this stuff has come back around again. So all the things that he was kind of famous for back in the days is now becoming trendy again. So all this stuff is probably going to fly off the shelves and many a people in the scene are probably going to want to get their hands on some of these iconic pieces from his treasure trove of collections as well. But it obviously is a little bit of a sad thing because it does mark an end of an era of that whole entire time. So let's read the article. It says a bape of uh, a pair of Bapesters, a Clementine Burkine and an, uh, and two Audemars Pegos in Royal Oaks. Nigo is offering up some of his true rarities in November. The legendary Japanese designer, known as the founder of Bathing Ape and creative director of Kenzo, has teamed up with longtime friend Pharrell Williams to auction off iconic designer pieces from his archive. The sale, titled "From You to From Me to You," will be his sixth held on the Pharrell's Jupiter platform. It highlights Nigo's legacy as a trailblazer and its intrics and intrinsic need to explore new avenues of expression and creative collaboration according to the auction house and they've also got an official blurb here courtesy of uh, Pharrell's platform it says for the last 30 years I've been lucky enough to travel the world and meet amazing talented creatives in 2003 during my first visit to Tokyo I got to meet Nigo in person I was already familiar with his myth but it was something meeting him that changed my life forever I was never really attached to things um that i love so sharply i don't well you can't even see it properly with this thing in a way um i never looked at it as though i was collecting anything in particular when i got tired of pieces of jewelry or watches i was trading in for something else um nigo blew me away with his taste and curation everything he bought was an investment something that clearly fit in ident in a defined collection he's like me he likes a lot of different things, but once he picks something up, he goes all the way and collects deep. His house is like a museum filled with priceless things, but it was still very light, livable and comfortable. Every single thing was carefully placed so that it could be admired and enjoyed. Where else could you see a Perv, um, Charlotte, Pireda, whatever that name is, furniture mixed in with multicolored, gigantic, metallic, tall chest filled with custom winders from his Watts collection and a vintage tube television playing early Beatles performances next to Pee Wee Herman's original suit. Nigo also fully created rooms, including one of the largest Star Wars collections in the world. Um, funnily enough, room in, another room was dedicated to Louis Vuitton pieces. Seeing him collect these vintage Louis Vuitton pieces immediately sent me to the Saint-Ouen market in um, Paris to start my own Louis Vuitton trunk collection. Nigo also introduced me to the Brian Donnelly, aka Cause, who he has done gallery shows with in Tokyo. These stories are endless. The man is a legend, a true definition of people referred to as a goat. As we get older, we realize that some of these things we collected never end up seeing the light of day. That's what led me to start Jupiter. I felt like there was room to offer a new experience where these seasons and new collectors could feel welcomed. When Nigo first told me that he was going to do this original auction, I was shocked, but it eventually opened the idea for me to start thinking about certain things I felt others would enjoy more than me at this point in my life. Nigo has actually had a great, extremely successful auctions already, but now that we have access to his incredible archive at Jupiter, it's an honor to be trusted with his auction from me to you. And some of the pieces listed on here are fucking crazy. 
you see some of the watches you see some of the early ice creams and louis vuitton shoes and shit like some of the stuff is absolutely crazy bro you've got a bapester here original one signed by jay-z you've got a nego um birkin right this was back in the day when they always used to carry these massive fucking birkin bags look at that absolutely incredible that kind of clementine orange so fucking beautiful so a lot of this stuff is going to go for a lot of money people are going to be definitely on it for sure um i can't wait to see who ends up purchasing a lot of this stuff when it does eventually go up for auction but it's going to be available very very soon i think sometime in november so definitely check it out if you're that way inclined looking at some of the prices here what this says here it says the priciest lot is an Audemars Pigot Royal Oak Concept um, Turbuline Dynamograph that is expected to fetch anywhere between 120, 120,000 to 180,000. Jesus Christos. That is crazy. Um, they got an AP in there as well. And what else they have here? The Bapster signed sneakers will estimate between six grand to eight grand. The orange Birkin is going to go to eight to ten grand. And a Jacob and Co. pendant chain is estimated to go between 20 to 30k. So, yeah, if you're in the market for a bit of this stuff, check it out. If you're that way inclined, Jupiter sale happening very, very soon, containing all the great things that Nego has created and collected over the years. Cannot wait to see more of it. I cannot wait to see more of it okay and then moving on to the main part of the show we've got this we need to feature and talk about phoebe philo phoebe philo finally finally made her comeback to fashion on monday um dropping her collection under her namesake now no more celine no more designing under the houses all it is is about phoebe philo herself and i have to be honest the collection is absolutely fire I know she doesn't like black people. I know she doesn't care for us icy freezer nignogs, but this woman is at the top of her game. And it was a nice reminder as to who the real mother was, who the real boss was, who the real B O double S was. Because the stuff that Phoebe Fellows was presenting on Monday was absolutely exceptional. But the prices. The prices were absolutely crazy. But checking some of the images and some of the stuff that was put out, it was a, honestly a nice refreshing reminder of just how important Phoebe Philo's voice is in fashion and how crucial it is that she's back involved out here bringing these pieces back out in fashion again. Because I can only imagine what it must be like going forward now. Because there was one thing, having the cachet and the allure of owning, sorry, a Celine piece designed by Phoebe Philo. But now imagine owning a jacket a t-shirt and opening the fucking jacket and seeing the label that says phoebe Fowler and then knowing to yourself that you've got a piece of history right you've got one of the most important designers of her generation right designing under her namesake label that is only going to be the stepping stone for great and amazing things and again looking at the collection for me like all wins no real misses i thought a lot of it looked incredibly similar to some of the resort collections that she put together for celine a lot of really strong shapes a lot of trousers a lot of great tailoring a lot of great materials a lot of great colors from what i can see here great textures overall i absolutely loved every single bit of it and i would definitely see this being flipping um you know taken up by a lot of women who are going to be out there into it especially somebody look at these double zip pants look at these double zip pants right these pants with the two zips at the back here look absolutely incredible and i think a lot of women are going to definitely be thirsting for it when this eventually does drop and from what i can see actually checking back dropping wise from what i saw in the online store a lot of this stuff is already sold out 
So all the people online that were kind of complaining and saying it was a bit underwhelming and whatnot, I guess the customers are completely on a different sort of temper because a lot of the stuff that I saw on the online store has already been sold out. So clearly the demand for Phoebe Philo is high. But some of these jackets and coats are absolutely incredible. I swear to God, like the texture and some of this stuff, like I don't know if this is meant to be a fur, this pink, if this is some sort of repurposed stuff. I don't know how this application is done, but the shape of that jacket looks absolutely incredible. So do the pants. Um, I love some of the imagery that's been used here. The photography is really well done. Some people are suggesting that this might be um, all done with an iPhone or something. Photography-wise, not really too sure. But the styling is always really good. The casting is always fucking amazing. Um, just really well done. These pants are going to be incredibly popular. You're going to see a lot of the it girls and fashionistas wearing these pants that have this sort of like furry front towards there. These look really well done, to be honest. You're going to see a lot of people probably wearing them. Um, the pants with the zips at the back will definitely be popular with a lot of the girls that have the subtle BBLs and shit. That's definitely going to be something you're going to see a lot of people wearing. I love these heels, actually. These mesh heels look really great. Are they mesh heels or no? Actually, it's not mesh heels. They're 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 basically the models just wearing, um, these really amazing sheer socks with a pair of heels on them. You've also got these trousers that look like they've been absolutely sprayed up and cut everywhere. And I absolutely love everything about it. And it looks absolutely amazing to me. I cannot lie. Some of the tailoring and the pieces look really, really good. And again, another constant reminder as to why Phoebe Fowler is a top girl. Um, this chain here with the mum on it is really fun as well. Kind of reminds me a little bit of an Argos piece of jewelry, to be honest. So it's, you know, it's fun. I get it, but it's a little bit out of place for me in terms of some of the collections that I've seen here and the stuff. The bag is really nice. The massive tote bag you can kind of essentially live in it i really like the look of that but the most interesting part of it is if you close the site and you check out the online store some of the stuff is already sold out like most of it is already gone so clearly the demand for phoebe philo is absolutely high but i'm curious because a lot of the people online are suggesting that this is such a big deal because she released it all online it's not done via another retailer direct to consumer there's no runway show which is a big part of phoebe philo right when she was working at celine and obviously before that chloe a lot of the kind of a lore of what she was doing was some of the runway shows was the campaigns altogether it was the kind of vibe that she created around it so to come back into fashion and decide to do everything digitally is really different from what people do in fashion and whatnot but i really am curious why these people seem to be so annoyed and not no, fashion people fashion people seem to be so surprised when the brands decide to do things direct to consumer it's such like a it's such like a new novel idea it's so kind of out there that they're still not used to it, which is odd because people are buying boats and really expensive watches on online stores so i'm not really too sure why fashion seems to be so far-fetched as an idea to buy luxury items online it seems like a weird thing but as you can see here there's shoes here that are retailing for like over like a thousand that are already sold out the bags the jackets i think that mum necklace is already gone as well so a lot of the stuff is already kind of flying off of the shelves clearly um has been very very well received by the hordes of phoebe philo acolytes that exist out there so clearly she knows what she's doing and i can't wait to see i cannot wait to see what more stuff she does going forward but the phoebe philo return to fashion has been really successful everybody's fucking loved it um as you can see here look the, the fucking necklace is gone so it's a bracelet actually what what is this necklace designed made out of i'm not sure if it's even is it even solid gold let's see here i want to quickly double check to make sure this is actually gold i'm not too sure if it is is it going to load for me is it going to are you going to load or not 
Can I not view it? Come on, let me view it, please. Can I view it? Can I view it or not? I guess I can't view it, unfortunately. Okay, cool. I can't view it. But anyway, um, you got some shoes here for 1225 Necklaces are gone as well. So uh, many, many, many things have gone. Phoebe Fowler back in fashion. Can't wait to see more from her going forward. And I think the mum, I think the mum chain is a bit weird. I think the mum chain is a bit weird to be completely honest, if I'm not completely honest. But I'm happy to see her back. I'm happy to see her back. Anyways, we are going to end it there. That has been the Agassino Zinger Show episode number. What was it? 720, I think. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company as per usual. But for those of you tuning into Action on Zinger Show, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company. Thank you for tuning in here. Thank you for tuning in here. Make sure you smash the like button if you enjoyed it. And I'll see you guys again very, very soon. Take care. Be safe, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. It's my life. It's now or never.